Sword and laser, do 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 do. Sword and laser, do 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 do. Sword and laser, do 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 do. Sword and laser slash Patreon dot com to join the hunt for good reads. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont, and I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. But slightly different, so that you're not clones. Well, it's like the multiverse version of you. It's your variant. (laughs) With fans that are variants of you. Slight variants, you know, maybe a a couple of reptiles here and there. We will not prune any of you. Yeah, and nor will we spoil Loki, which is what I am referencing and which I just finished tonight. Yeah, one of your references there, kind of spoilery. But which one? Which Which one, one? though? Which one? You don't even know. You'll never know. So you're not spoiled. Um, What a good show. I love that show. The art direction in that show is so good. We were just talking to our friend about that show because she just started it. And she's like, Mm -hmm. episode one confused me. But I think I think we explained it. I think she's like, oh, now I'm really excited for episode two. So the only thing I'm not caught up on, I think, in the MCU now is um, WandaVision. I still haven't seen WandaVision. WandaVision. That came in like deep, deep child time for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I heard it was confusing, and I was like, I don't want to watch something confusing. I didn't I just find it that watch confusing. Bridgerton. Really. Yeah, yeah, Bridgerton, much easier to follow. I was in that mode. That. Um, we are trying something new tonight. Uh, we are doing a live stream via Riverside.fm, um, which I played with on DunePod last night, and I thought it was pretty cool. We had been getting some requests to try to do live video and live streaming. Um, so this is our our inaugural attempt at that. For a minute. And it's um, too late for you listening to the podcast because it's over. But if you are like, oh, I love the podcast. Maybe I'll go listen. I mean, watch the show, too, and see what they look like, because that matters. Mm. Then you can see that on Riverside, maybe. I, I don't know. think I was shocked when Veronica said she wanted to go live, because my recollection is that when we used to go live on Hangouts on Air... Veronica was the one who was like, really, do we have to go live? Okay, I guess. <laughs> I may live to regret this. Hmm. We'll see. You'll live. It's, I'll do live. regret this? We don't know. No. Um, it's fun to try new things, new old things, I guess. Um, it so is yeah, a rage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. You're making <laughs> the same joke I made about you last week. I get it. Yes. I get it. Turnabout is fair play. I am feeling every bit of my nearly 39 years this oh, week. so after, many years. So many years after the Wii One has kept me up all night the past week, just yeah. nonstop. So that's my life now. But Still hey, what it, are we though? drinking? <laughs> it's, it's worth it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. But driving you to drink. Um, well, I was just having, I don't have it now, so I can't prove it on the video, but uh, I was just having a St. Francis, Francis Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, nice. I was having, and I'm not having now, a delicious uh, Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Yeah. And earlier I had alcoholic kombucha, which is kind oh. of redundant, yeah. but it was, but it was more- actually... More alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's extra strong alcoholic kombucha. 
like kind of before they put all the restrictions on kombucha and had yeah. to like pull it from the shelves. Remember back in the heady kombucha days of mm. like 2005? Yep. People were getting yeah. drunk on kombucha. <laughs> just in Whole Foods parking lots, just yeah. chucking, chucking the in good their stuff. Kombucha in a brown paper bag in a Whole Foods parking lot. Ah, <laughs> oh, the good old hey, days. You got any spare organic pepperoncinis? Oh, delicious. Got a little mm. kick to it, you know? Yeah. Helps it go down smooth. Um, let's jump into the quick burns. Silvana posted in our quick burns section the best place to get your sword and laser news uh, that the Clark's World shortlist has been announced. Uh, happy to see the vanished birds and vagabonds in it, said Silvana. And uh, yes, the, the shortlist has The Infinite by Patience Agbabi, The Vanished Birds by Simone Jimenez, Vagabonds by Hao Jing Fang. Edge of Heaven by R.B. Kelly, The Animals in That Country by Laura Jean McKay, and Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez. Awesome. Congratulations. These are the Arthur C. Clarke Awards. Natch. Um, we also have a an article that is unnamed, a quick burn yet unnamed uh, by their contributor, um, about Mary Robin. Oh, I Cole. forgot to put their name in there is really what that that's what means. I was, I was they, trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. make it a You're secret. just trying to embarrass me. I, I was the opposite of trying to embarrass you because I didn't want to embarrass myself by saying you, no name. You could have just not called attention to the fact that there was no name. That would have been a level of smooth that I don't think <laughs> even after like 13 years I, I have gotten to yet. No, what, no it, you could have just said like our next item, Mary Robin, Robinette Cole. That's what I'm talking about because I didn't see a name. My brain went into a mm. nosedive. I had to figure out a way to cover myself and I wasn't smooth enough to figure that out in time. All of this is an incredibly smooth way of letting me go to our quick burns thread and see if I can figure out who gave us this. Well, the item is that uh, Mary Robinette Cobalt is going to chair Discon 3. Um, Thank you, John, for letting us know about that. <laughs> the host uh, for this year's... John's been sitting there listening to this going, it was me. It was me. Oh, my gosh. It was me. And in case you're confused, Discon 3 is um, Worldcon? Yeah. Worldcon? No. no. It's, it's different disco, conference. Disco N-Con. What? <laughs> where they all, no. They all do disco. You're joking. Oh, yes, you are joking. joking. I'm joking. It's Worldcon. It is Worldcon. Yeah. Okay. It was, this was written in a confusing way. Why are they calling it Discon 3? Because it's the third time that in... they've had Worldcon in D.C., Discon. Washington, D.C. Why is it dis? I think for disco, honestly. Really? Yeah. Well, because if usually it's like Ireland con, Finn con, Lund con, with D.C., Wash con, eh, <laughs> D.C. con. Okay. But how do we spice it up? Okay. Okay. That's my okay. guess. I'm Just with you. I'm I'm back. I'm back with you on this. Yeah. Um, more interestingly, I I you know Mary Robinette Cole is no longer the president of the SFWA. Her her term has ended. There's a new president, um, and so it's cool that that she's getting to to be the chair of, yeah. of this uh, this WorldCon. Um, Never cool. one to see a bunch of laurels sitting around and just sit right down on them. No. 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 Got to keep. She does busy. not rest. Yeah. 
Um, she says, I'm excited to be working with Discon 3. One of my conditions before saying yes was that I wanted to speak to the division heads first. It will be a pleasure to work with such a dedicated, competent set of people. Yay. I believe that Worldcon begins with the fans and all our complex diversity. It is, at heart, about connecting with our community and celebrating our shared love of science fiction and fantasy. You have some direct experience with, with just how awesome Mary Robinette Cole is at a Worldcon. <laughs> Even when she's not in charge. So yeah, this is this is great. Oh, oh hold on. Well, beside that's beside the point. Our mutt nineteen seventeen in the chat says district discon. District of oh, Columbia. For district of Columbia. Yeah. Okay. The you idiots was not written out, but I, I really I felt that in the comment in the chat. I feel that with most comments. Yeah. 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 It's like the you understood when you diagram a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Robinette Cole saved me. Um, I, for some reason, they didn't have my my passes for for it wasn't WorldCon. It was the it was yeah um, it was it was the was the it Hugos. Worldcon? Yeah, it was the, Hugos. It, was the world, it was the San Jose Con or SojCon, right. as I call it. <laughs> that. Yeah, so she she saved my butt, and that was awesome. And she didn't have to do that, and it was very nice. Armut says that was not implied in that comment. <laughs> Thank you, you idiots. <laughs> you <He> idiots. <laughs> <laughs> we joke, Armut. We joke. We appreciate you. We appreciate you uh, clarifying. I love that. having We're... a live chat. This is fun. I know. Uh, Mark uh, gave us a quick burn that a new commemorative stamp goes on sale July 27th. Now, hold on. If you're like, this is not a philology <laughs> podcast. Uh, the 33rd stamp in the literary arts series honors Ursula K. Le Guin, who expanded the scope of literature through novels and short stories that increased critical and popular appreciation of science fiction and fantasy. So, yeah, uh, commemorative stamp commemorating the amazing Ursula K. Le Guin coming July oh. 27th if you're in the U.S. That's great. I'm really excited about that. I'm definitely going to buy some of these. Um, are they forever stamps? I would guess. Usually they are. Um, almost all. I, I Let's see if they say 95 here. cents. They're 95 cent stamps. Yeah, but they don't have a number on them. So that means they're forever. Right. So they're forever stamps. Okay. I Ursula K. Le Guin is forever. <laughs> Jessica says I'm going to laminate some of those stamps into a bookmark. That's a great idea. Ooh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. You could, you, you know, the way the stamps are, you could maybe make two bookmarks out of them. Mm-hmm. Or you like know, one like really large one of a whole sheet. Because there's, there are four across and five down. So you could just do right down the middle, two across, two It's a cool way of preserving them too. So if they ever yeah, become, yeah. you know, worth anything, you've got them nice and safe. Yeah. Mark also says, um, I'm assuming this is the same Mark. The International Association (laughs) Media Tie-In Writers announced the 2021 Scribe Award winners, which are mostly science fiction titles this year. Audio drama, A Tie, goes to Doctor Who Out of Time, won by Matt Fitton and Torchwood Tropical Beach Sounds and Other Relaxing Seascapes, number four, by Tim Foley. A general original novel and adapted novel, Day Zero, A Watchdog's Legion novel by James Swallow and Josh Reynolds. Graphic novel goes to Blade (laughs) One... Wow. Water. Blade Wonder is what I almost said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what graphic, it's called. Blade, graphic Blade novel Runner. goes to Blade Runner 2019, Volume 1, Los Angeles by Michael Green. Los and Angeles. Michael Green and Michael Green and Mike Johnson. Hmm. Oh, right. it's like one's, one's art, one's writing, but Michael Green did both sides. Is that what that means? Maybe. <laughs> 
oh, this is hard to do live. I'm getting the sillies and can't edit them out when it's live. Um, original novel goes to Speculative, Star Trek Discovery, Die Standing by John Jackson Miller. And YAMG goes to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Jr. novel by Michael Kogue. Uh, media tie-ins, getting some love. Mm-hmm. And I love that uh, because, they, you know, a lot of people dismiss media tie-ins because they think, oh, it's factory fiction or it's not as good. There's great, great authors working in media tie-ins. So totally. Yeah. Uh, Jan is back. Thank goodness. Welcome back, Jan. Jan says it's summer and Vulture has released their list of best of science fiction and fantasy novels of 2021 so far. As Vulture writes, already this year has given readers a slew of exciting, provocative and delightful new sci-fi and fantasy books from the latest releases of celebrated authors Kazuo Ishiguro, Nnedi Okorafor and Andy Weir to debut novels from rising stars Namina Forna, Genevieve Gornachek and J.S. Dews. These are the best science fiction and fantasy books of 2021. So far, 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 far. I'm a snot because when I see things like this from like Vulture, I'm like, mm, do they really know what they're talking about? These uh, are all pretty good choices. It's always, it's always, it's never judge the author by the outlet paying them to write. Mm-hmm. So you go, you go to the the source material. You look at it, like you said, it's like oh, that's a pretty good list, and then you it say. Is. Great job, Sadie Jenis. You did a great job writing this story. And then you say, Veronica, you idiot. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) Uh, No, this is good. This gives us a lot of options for for future picks if you want to do some some new things. I think the best part about this list is I don't think I know hardly any of these. Uh, Oh, Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark's the first one. I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely heard of that. Yeah, you Uh, you do. Oh, Andy Weir, of of course. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of books on River here that Solomon. I'm like, ooh, I didn't I didn't know about that one. Yeah, or River Katie Solomon. Martin. And... But yeah, uh, you if know you're these. like, oh, I probably know what these all are. Mm-hmm, no, you might not. You might want to go check out the list because there's some really good cool. stuff. Plus, it's just a good collection. Trike says there are five new and upcoming sci-fi thrillers you won't want to put down. This is from BuzzFeed News. Uh, He said, I would add and fantasy to the title. Lots of interesting stuff here. Some YA, some sequels, some standalones, a book about crows, feral creatures, plenty of non-Western stories, but also things like Arthurian retellings, a sequel to The Goblin Emperor, magical realism to space opera. I've been putting a lot of holds at the library while perusing this one. Yeah, but this is BuzzFeed's version of what Vulture just did, which is like get somebody to write uh, a summer reading list article. It's good stuff uh, and good for all of us. Uh, Jan says Goodreads has started its sci-fi and fantasy week, uh, July 12th. Following the link to the blog post, you can dig deeper and explore 60 new sci-fi and fantasy stories by subgenre. Meet the authors of summer's biggest sci-fi and fantasy adventures. Check out this year's most popular new sci-fi and fantasy novels so far and find new sci-fi and fantasy from African authors. Uh, So yeah, Goodreads also doing the same thing, which is like, oh, everybody needs a summer reading list. Here we go. Let's make one. This is pretty funny because if you scroll down to the while you're here, check out our recent sci-fi and fantasy articles and interviews. And almost all of them are books from the previous two lists that we just talked about. Yeah. So definitely, definitely things bubbling to the the surface in terms of, uh, you know, buzz, buzzworthiness, so to speak. Maybe we should finish quick burns with something that isn't a summer reading list though. 
Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Jan says the AlmightyTour.com has announced the LeVar Burton Reads Writing Contest. Oh, Tour.com is thrilled to be in collaboration with FIA Literary Magazine and the LeVar Burton Reads podcast for a writing contest. If you write science fiction, fantasy, or horror, this is your chance to get your work in front of LeVar Burton, legendary reading rainbow host, actor, podcaster, and all-around excellent human. One winning story will be featured in season 10 of LeVar Burton Reads. The contest theme is Origins and Encounters, and quote, welcomes works of the indigenous fantastic, the otherworldly, and alternative histories and suggest in the guidelines that writers might consider how blended civilizations and cultural exchanges would affect, for example, gods, faiths, religious traditions, food traditions, language, gender recognition, concepts of community, concepts of identity, and race, prejudice, human v. other species, for example. More details can be found on the contest webpage at www.lavarburtonpodcast.com slash podcast. Nope, slash contest. Go check it out. Maybe if anybody enters, let us know. We, we want to cheer for you. Tom, you could enter. You could enter. I don't know if Why I could. Why aren't you talking? Why? Because you, you tried to bully me into story. entering something the last time, and then I forgot and didn't enter it. So <laughs> now, I now wasn't I feel bullying bad. you. I was encouraging you. <laughs> also, Is I don't think I have a... bullying? I don't know. I shouldn't throw that word around like that, should I? Um, I, I, you, I do not feel bullied. First of all, okay. it's fine. Um, but I don't know that I have a story that fits this. I'd have to think about You'd it. You'd have, have to write to a new story, yeah. probably. Well, and I'm, I'm, I've got lots. I've got an audio book coming out later this month that I'm like really concentrating on, mm. and I'm working on the girl at the bottom of the lake which was my NaNoWriMo for a couple of years ago. I don't think mm-hmm. any of the stuff I'm working on fits this, but it might. I'd have to look. Cool. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. We had a tweet from Harold um, at Dev Harry C, who says, I really like how salty Ad Veronica is being at Sword <laughs> and Laser this week. <laughs> Well, and then you had to ask him like, wait, salty. What was I, what was I being salty about? And he said, pups. No, it was, um, it was me basically making fun of you being older than me in oh, the beginning was, of the last the, episode. I didn't actually listen to this. Sixth I, was grade. I was in sixth grade. 1993. Um, so that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you were what? Like 35. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Uh, no, I was, I would have been 23 and, uh, and, and so kind of snotty because you're, tw- you know, 23. Yeah. Okay. What? That's fair. What is so funny about that? I, nothing. That I'm way younger than I than you thought. I <laughs> no, that I was still in sixth grade and you were 23. And I was 23. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Our first flashback. This is fun. We can play things in real time. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be mean. No, that wasn't like, mean at all. I feel like I'm not I feel like, at all sensitive about my age. I know. I just feel like I'm becoming the PJ to your Alex. <laughs> that's that, that's okay. But like PJ wasn't always very nice to Alex. No, but that I was hope you thing. never feel that way. I know, but oh. I don't want that to be our thing. No, no. I I, I will tell you if I really. I'm feel getting very thing. sincere. Can you hear the sincerity <laughs> in my voice? Mm-hmm. Sincerity. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's very it? sincere. If someone has <laughs> yes. to tell you they're sincere, 
<laughs> All right, go on. Take take the next one. Moving Author on. Author binges. This is an interesting one. I had to think about this because um, I don't know. I've got my answer. Uh, but this is a this is a great suggestion from Louis in one of our Goodreads forums. Uh, he said, which authors have you read one book by, then proceeded to blaze through their entire oeuvre? Uh, and Louis answered for themselves, saying, I personally have several examples. In high school, I started reading Arthur C. Clarke's Space Odyssey series, uh, then quickly went on to read all of his fiction and a few nonfiction works. After Clarke, I moved on to Isaac Asimov, which is a difficult author for any completionist, since he is credited as the author or editor of 400 books. So I mostly focused on the sci-fi novels and anthologies, although I did dip a bit into his mystery works. Then I went down the Robert A. Heinlein rabbit hole, the novels, the white novels, the new few nonfiction. And he talks about some of the uh, non-genre folks like uh, Kurt Vonnegut uh, and Paul Oster uh, that he did the same with. Oh, very cool. So you you said you thought about this a little bit. What did you come yeah, up well, with? Because at first I was like, well, I don't have an answer to this because what I do is I read the Sword and Laser book every month mm-hmm. <laughs> and have a really hard time reading anything else. So it's hard for me to like go binging on stuff. But back in the day, you know, when I was young, when Veronica was in elementary school, <laughs> uh, the first one I can remember doing that with, that wasn't like a kid series. I'm not, I'm not counting like like really kid oriented books, like Encyclopedia Brown, stuff like that. The mm-hmm. first like adult one I did that was Douglas Adams. I got the oh, Hitchhiker's nice. Guide to the Galaxy. And I was like immediately, I mean, I get, I don't know if it counts as a binge because there were only two books at other two other books out. There were only the three books out at the time, but I did, I did go and get those other two books. I did it with Dune. When I read Frank Herbert, I immediately was like, let me read all the Frank Herbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the biggest one was when I read man in the high castle from Philip K. Dick in college and then immediately read every Philip K. Dick I could get my hands on. Yeah, I did that. The first time I really remember doing that was with the Dresden series. Um, I did that with the Dresden series. I did that with the Alona Andrews series. I did that with um, Sookie Stackhouse. I did it with uh the True Blood series. I read that like crazy. Um, Everything Robin Hobb, I've pretty much read as far as I know. There are just certain authors that when they come out with a new book, Temeraire, I did that with the Temeraire novels, um, though I never actually finished that series. But yeah, it's kind of like if it's fun and pulpy or if it's fun and like I can do like an urban, urban paranormal romance kind of novel series um, like pretty quickly if I get sucked into into one of those. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that's, this is a great thread. So if you want to catch up on what other people are binging on, uh, binge worthy stuff, there, there's so many great series. It's just like finding one that really kind of speaks to you and then you just can't, can't put it down. I love that feeling, especially when it's done and you don't have to wait for anything. Armand in our chat says that was my post. You idiots. Nice. <laughs> he is also Louie. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and there's a there's a number of people uh, responding with their own lists uh, of of, th- of their experiences. So join mm-hmm. in the fun if you haven't already. Another great thread was uh, what's your SNL origin story? And this is from back in March, so I'm not sure if you covered it with one of your other guest hosts. Don't think I did before I came back. Okay, um, well, this one was started by Ian, who said, "I apologize if this was already a thread. Um, I know this type of thing is sometimes written in the welcome thread, but uh, some of our folks on the Discord channel were talking about how they found Sword and Laser, and I thought it would be fun to start my first discussion. Um, so he found Sword and Laser." through Goodreads. Um, he created a Goodreads account in 2017 and 
joined a few groups, Sword and Laser popped up, uh, and then went and watched the old videos. He liked our personalities and then started listening to the podcast, which is great. Nice. Um, so this was really fun because actually there was another thread about this back in 2017 um, that I think I want to say it was trike, but I'm not sure. Um, someone else found another thread. But anyway, um, people are hopping in and talking about how they found it. Most people in this in the forums who responded seem to have found it through Geek and Sundry, which makes a ton of sense um, because I think we were kind of flying under the radar before the Geek and Sundry show came out. Um, but there are also a number of people who found us through Buzz Out Loud, which was the podcast that Tom and I did at CNET uh, way back in the day where we first decided we wanted to do this show. Or they found us through Twit or Texilla, the the other shows that we, we did throughout the years, um, Daily Tech News Show. So yeah, a lot of different ways that people people came came to us. Very cool. Yeah, it was Tamahome who said there was a discussion in the oh, Discord. Oh, thank you. About okay, cool. As well. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't put this in in the quick burns or barrier sword yet, but I am I joined the the Discord. I'm in the Discord, finally. Do you want to tell them about our two-factor authentication? <laughs> Yeah, I had to. Well, it was so so sweet because I I immediately messaged Rob, who is one of our moderators, of course, and I was like, "Hey, I joined," and he was like, "Hmm, sus." And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was me. He's like, "Well, this Discord isn't really a pot so popular that I feel like there would be a a um what's the word I'm looking for a Veronica." Yeah, a Veronica. Um, but he was like. If you're the real Veronica, you have my email address. Send me an email saying that you're joining the Discord. And then he realized he didn't actually have the admin rights to make me a mod anyway. Um, so that was fun. And then Tom, I, I I messaged Tom, and then I sent him a text message, and we figured it out. So I two-factor Tommed. Tom, do well, the best part is that I, I have publicly discussed this part of the story, so you can no longer use this. But oh. she gave me she gave me two things she knew about me that she didn't think anyone else would know. Uh, and the one that I I, I have mentioned in public elsewhere uh, was she's like at your pool party, you got in the pool with your iPhone in your pocket, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I definitely knew everyone at that party. So mm-hmm. if you're not Veronica, you're like. Brian like Rushwood or, yeah, or Josh trying Lawrence. Trying to pretend or, to be me. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I think that's pretty good. But then the other the other factor, which I won't reveal, was the one where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's definitely Veronica. No, the other one was I switched the recording from Wednesday to Thursday like we discussed. That was the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that one to leave the little mystery. So people oh. are like, ooh, I wonder what it was. But that was actually the one that was most convincing because uh, because I'm like, oh, yeah, no one else knows that she moved the recording. Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Now they do because we're recording. Ruined it. Damn. That's also my secret password for all of my accounts. <laughs> it's a, it's you just uh, swap out all of the uh, vowels with numbers. So that's your password. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, We got an email here from Will, who said, Hi, team. I'm pleased you're reading Banks, meaning Ian Banks, our read this month. For me, there is an interesting point about Banks that works well with the later part of the most recent episode about the nature of diversity and inclusion. Banks' work is very diverse with gender, sexuality, and race. A lot of the books talk about gender and sexuality a lot, but not in a preachy way. It is taken for granted that a warrior or spy may be male or female, and sometimes both. 
and they might be attracted to a, uh, oh, it went off my screen here, to anyone or everyone. Mm -hmm. We see a nice representation of strong and weak characters across all genders. In the culture, people are free to change gender at will. It takes a few days, but you can do it by thinking about it. So being attracted to only one sex doesn't make any sense in that world. I'm really impressed at the level of diversity and inclusion in the culture series, considering that the first book is from the 80s. They still feel very modern, especially as the science elements are mostly still quite far out. The one criticism is that Banks seems to be a bit of a sadist. There's always a graphic torture scene. As a straight white male, there may be issues that I'm unaware of, but I think he does okay, considering that very little of this was on the agenda back in 1987. It's hard to identify the best culture book because they are all quite different, but two of my favorites are The Player of Games and Accession. Kind regards, Will. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to this because this is the first culture novel that I've read. Um, The only one thing that has stuck out to me so far, and this is not spoilery, but I feel like every time Hoser meets another, uh, meets a female, he's kind of like, Mm, well, I don't think we're going to have sex. Like, we don't really have a sex vibe. <laughs> Why do you have to put, I, like, all your I don't your know female... if I'm far enough into the novel to have noticed that happening a lot. So I'll keep an eye out for it. But I definitely have already noticed it happen once. Yeah. So I, I and they, def, they made me go like, mm, okay, a little, maybe a little dated with that reaction, but we'll see how often it happens. So now I have right. the answer. Yeah. So I kind of get there's a little bit of a sense like he immediately sizes up any any females in the vicinity about whether they are like attractive is, or unattractive or. Well, and here's the thing. If that is his character, because there are mm-hmm. definitely people yeah. like that, that's fine. But I don't see any other parts of his character that make me like, oh, yeah, no, he's just that guy. Right. Right. It's, it seems a little not even inconsistent, but just not bolstered by other character attributes. Yeah, like if he was kind of like a skeevy guy and that yeah, was part right, of what he was exactly. saying. But I don't get the sense that he's like a skeevy guy. He seems like a pretty nice dude otherwise. Exactly. The rest of the time he's, he's like, oh, maybe yeah, he's just no, horny. He's just I don't know. Yeah. Just a horny guy. No, horny I mean, nice people guy. People can be horny. Yeah. That's that is, is this true. the title of the show, Horny Nice Guy? I don't want it. I don't want it. Nope. Uh, well, we have, we're talking about Ian Banks, but we haven't even. Uh, got to our book of the month discussion. Uh, our book of the month uh, is Consider Phlebas by Ian M. Banks. And we have some first impressions already happening in our uh, Goodreads. I'm trying to get up there to Tamahome's post. Yeah. Yeah. Tamahome says, Ta- um, go ahead. I haven't seen any posts yet, so I thought I'd start one off. Uh, that's always a good thing to do. Uh, maybe it was too hard to read with all the fireworks going on. I'm 31% in and enjoying it for the most part. More of the shiny sci-fi stuff than the gruesome parts. I think Veronica is going to need some diagrams of some of the big, dumb objects. I wouldn't mind that either. I hear the tone is different in the later culture novels. Sometimes I have to reread something here and there for clarity. I think it's more boring if you just don't understand something. It seems more like an episodic sci-fi Gulliver's travel with Horza traveling everywhere. And Horza is like a friend with an opposing political view, an anti-culturer. Maybe we should start a thread with physics questions, LOL. Okay. So at first I was mildly offended that Tamahome said that I would need to Oh, about the big dumb objects comment? Really? Why? But then but then I realized that whenever like there is a a pretty like significant big dumb object, like in chapter 10, I think. And I already I so glazed over everything about this big dumb object 
that like I had no reference for what it could possibly be in later parts of the chapter. Like I so didn't even pay attention to the description. Like I start, I, I, I do that. I do that. I do do that. And it is um, very perceptive of Tamahome to, to recognize that. Yeah. Uh, Tamahome has been listening to us talk for a long time. Uh, Tamahome probably knows us better than we know ourselves. I'm not, ex- I feel like I'm not explaining myself well about what, what happens uh, when I'm doing this. It's like, how do I explain it? You know how when we were reading those books and we were describing how some people see when they're reading, like the, they can picture what they're reading like yeah, as right. it's happening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the opposite of that. It's like, I he see the description and it's so confusing to me that I just skip over it mentally. Yeah. And go and on just to, like, I guess it doesn't matter. I'll figure yeah. it out later. Yeah. It's like too dumb, to, too big and too dumb to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I honestly do that with character names. Oh, interesting. I, I, I am horrible at, at figuring out who's who early in a book mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when you're introduced, if they don't, I, I need, and this, this is one of those reasons I'm always on hammering. Like, don't say the book is bad because say this book didn't work for you because, because I have a lot of books where I'm like, man, it's hard for me to figure out who's who, because I need them to say like, uh, the, the big hairy fellow with the brown hair and, uh, the, the skinny lady with the blonde hair. And then I'm like, Oh, totally gotcha. But if you just say like big hairy guy named Bob, and then from then on only refer to him as Bob, I'll be like, I can't remember who's Bob is. Is, is that have the blonde you, okay. one? Okay. This is totally true for me too. Have you gotten to the clear, clear air turbulence yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's basically an entire scene in that introductory section where they name every single person on that ship. I could not tell you any of those <laughs> I people. Like, I was in like, fact, do, 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 do. We're not going to get spoiler here, folks. So don't worry. But there is a scene uh, where a character dies. Characters die in books. So I hope that's not considered a spoiler where I'm like, who was that? <laughs> I don't yeah, think I, don't I ever know. met that person. Did I? I got that person confused with another person because yeah. they have similarly long names. Mm-hmm. If I'm thinking of the same person that died. Yeah, no, that scene where they introduced everyone on, on the ship, I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm just- It was like, a, lit, check, a laundry list out. of names. That was like my nightmare because I'm like, yeah, yeah, never remembering any of this. Um, So that is that is something that I also do. Also, as a side note, um, I'm seeing the spelling of Horza for the first time. And in my mind, because I'm listening to the audiobook, the person who's reading it says it kind of like Hosa. And I was thinking, Hoser? Like, <laughs> like good day, good day, eh? Hosa? Yeah. Like the Canadian, like, yeah. Hoser, you're a Hoser. Um, yeah. So that's how I think of him now. Hoser. It's almost like it should be spelled H O X H A, the way the audiobook pronounces it. Like oh, are you listening to the audiobook as well? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Hosa, Hosa, Hosa. Yeah, a little bit like that. Um, so I am disturbed because uh, there are some comments in this thread. I think it was this thread about like scary things um, that are well, coming violence, up. Particularly violence. violence. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm like something about it. I don't even want to say it because it might be. Oh, I think I'm coming up on that part, Eric. 
Eric's comment on something scary that happens on a deserted island. I think I'm a, mm. I'm about to get there. So cool, 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 oh, cool. I think cool. we may be about the same place then. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. crash landing. Mm-hmm. Okay. On you in North Korea is a great drama on Korea. Uh, in North in North Korea and South Korea. This could be uh, on anyone. Netflix. This Watch could it. be crash this landing. Could be, oh crash my god, crash landing on you. Watch it now. It's not I'm a just, spoiler. I'm just, de- I'm just deflecting. I'm just diverting them. It's not a spoiler. If you confuse them, it's not a spoiler. <laughs> that's that's the tactic you've been using for me for a long time, isn't it? Just confuse her. She won't know what's going on. <laughs> confuse her. I hardly. Know. I hardly knew her. Ah. <laughs> uh, Jan. Jan is. Where did Jan go? Why did you say that? Welcome back, Jan. Did he go somewhere? Uh, no, just because Jan is, is always there for us. And I, I have, I have missed Jan in the two weeks since we last did the show. That was, it was meant as like, you know, like, oh, we haven't had a Jan one in this list yet. Cause I, I think it was because usually we lead off with a Jan posting mm-hmm. on quick burns. And I was like, oh, it's, it's been three or four elements since Jan. So no, Jan, Jan's the best. I miss Dara Dara. Yeah. Dara Dara has been, been busy. Yeah. She got a new job and yeah. she's been playing a lot of animal crossing. So I that is her. her new job. How do I get that job? Uh, Jan says, I have started reading and I'm not really that far, but from the very beginning, the feel of the book reminds me of many older classic science fiction novels. For example, books by Clark or Asimov or Baxter that could be considered, quote, hard science fiction. And that feeling is a certain coldness. It just seems that the author has a bit more love for, or maybe just interest in, creating a believable in itself logical world, but comparably little love for the characters living in this world. Maybe that's just my bias regarding natural sciences, but I often got the feeling that many authors in the genre are more concerned with the hard in the name than the fiction part, in the sense that intellect is more important than emotions. Do you think that's fair? And do you think that applies to consider Fleabus? For me, I have to admit that I'm much more fascinated fascinated by the world building than anything else so far. I really like Trike's. There's a lot of good uh, responses here, but I really like Trike's response. He says, I agree that this book is emotionally distant, but I wouldn't characterize it as hard sci-fi. It's no more realistic than Star Wars, Star Trek, Halo, or known space. I think that cold feeling just comes from certain writers who don't or can't engage in the touchy-feely aspects of human emotion. As Ian says, that's not an intrinsic feature of hard sci-fi. It's merely part of the style of those writers who also happen to be known for that subgenre. Um, hmm. So yeah, it, it I, I don't know that this book is hard sci-fi either. kind of depends like we talked about before it depends on what uh, you want your definition of hard sci-fi to be um i consider hard sci-fi to be like more in-depth descriptions of the science and technology behind something mm-hmm. rather than just having the hard science and technology be plausible uh and i i feel like ian banks here falls in the it's plausible everything he's talking about is plausible he's not making up something that you're like well that couldn't even happen but I don't know that I I consider that hard sci-fi. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't call this hard sci-fi. Um, and I actually I don't know if I agree with that characterization of of the characters being somewhat distant and emotionless. Hmm. Um, I actually think like the further I get into the book, the more that Horza feels like a compassionate character. Um, specifically, kind of like in the scenes that I'm sitting in now. So maybe that was true in the beginning, but even in the beginning, like in that very first scene, that, that awful kind of introduction to this world, you're like, oh, this guy, 
has like a sense of humor about a situation, even though it's yeah. like the worst possible situation he could be in. Um, he's doing his best to like be funny in the face of this awful experience. And, and when the, when his nemesis kind of shows her face, he's like, mm, I hope that sounded brave. I don't know if that sounded brave. <laughs> I think what I just said, I think I, yeah. I hope I, I hope I didn't sound too weak. Um, so I feel I felt compassionate about his situation um, beyond just being a terrible, gross, horrible, torturous situation that he was in. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with that characterization so far. Yeah. And, and again, uh, we're getting a lot of people who and, and this happens with every book. A lot of people are like I don't look th- like this book because uh, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You don't have to like every book. You know, we say that all the time. But I always try to say Again, it's not that the book is bad or or there's anything wrong with it necessarily. Although in some cases there may be. I don't think that's the case here. It's that this may be not not be your style. And this book in particular is very story driven, not character driven. Mm-hmm. If you're someone who loves character driven novels, you're not going to like this. And you probably will feel that maybe the characters are distant because of that, because it's not spending time developing the characters. Um, if, if you, if somebody's like, give me a story, give me an adventure story. I want story. I want to follow a plot. Then you're, you are enjoying this. I would guess, uh, because this is very much about the events and where the events are taking you. And not that the characters are like shallow or paper thin or anything. It's just not the focus. Whereas in other stories, the characters very much are the focus. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I am enjoying it so far. Um, I'm enjoying the audiobook. I, I like the pace. It's a lot of action, um, which is is pretty fun. I, it, it is not the book I was expecting. I think I was expecting a more cerebral, almost like Asimov-like book, I think, like mm-hmm. or Clark. Like I was, I guess in my mind, I've always associated it with like a foundation type of story. Maybe just because it's a longer it's a series, sprawling empire, yeah, the culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see I that. I think I just kind of, you know, connected them in my mind, and it, yeah. it is not at all that. Um, anywho, so that that wraps up our our mid mid month check in on consider Phlebas. Um, next episode, and we need to nail down our recording time uh, for this. Uh, we have invited Andrew Heaton uh, to join us uh, from Alienating the Audience. Uh, Andrew uh, is a uh, is a fan of science fiction. Uh, does a science fiction podcast that I've been on, uh, and uh, a smart guy. And was interested in rereading Consider Phlebas uh, so that he could he could join us and, and talk about the the culture series. So uh, stay tuned for that next time. Sweet. And maybe we'll get to do more, more live video recording. Cause I think this was, this was fun. I think, uh, we'll, we'll tell the, now that you know that we're doing this, I think we'll, we'll try experimenting with, with We it. have Heaton on though. He's such a handsome man. He's just going to make He's us going to ruin you know, it for you. Well, for distract us, me. Really. Yeah. Distract everybody. Well, no, he's just better looking than either of us really oh, crap. much more so than me, but we'll still have him. Oh, well, it's it'll fine. Be fine. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No. Yeah. <laughs> Our show he wrote is a currently... poetry book about Los Angeles, <laughs> by the way. Have you seen it? Like a, yeah. like a, no, I didn't know that. It's called Los Angeles. What is it called? It's called um, the Dodgers suck a Los Angeles story. LA is ugly.com is, is, uh, is, is where you go to find the book. Uh, and I think is, it's called, is that real? Uh, uh, Los Angeles is hideous poems about an ugly city by Andrew Heaton. That's interesting. Cause I don't think of Los Angeles as being an ugly city. It's hilarious. As someone who lives in Los Angeles and likes it, I found it 
absolutely hilarious. There's a poem about weed whackers uh, in there. Mm, that, I'm brilliant. sure that spoke to you very personally. <laughs> yes, it did. About people gardening during podcast mm. recordings, for example. Yep. 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 Right, hit you right in the feels. All right. Well, that's exciting. Cool. Guess I, I don't think I knew that he was coming on. <laughs> I think you did. That, you agreed did to it. Yeah. I, I have the I mean, receipts. I'm happy to have. I'm sure you yeah. have the receipts. Like I said, my brain is all over the place these days, <laughs> that's but that's, that's awesome. Um, our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links, find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And you can join in on all of our discussions at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. Thank you so much to the folks who joined us in the chat room tonight for our live episode. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!